0: This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason.
1: Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and
0: host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate. Where real people
2: are doing real estate. Hey everybody, it's Danielle Chason here with the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I am super excited to have Mandy and Jeff back today. And they're going to talk about how they used... um, strategy just by approaching their business um, and people within their business by creating human relationships. And that was a strategy that's really uh, curious to me because I never viewed it as a strategy, but that is a strategy on how they built their business, built their network and created growth by treating people as humans. Um, And they got, they created that growth because. People were coming back to them. People were referring them. And, and when for them, when they were looking at everyone they worked with as a client or as a partner, um, they felt that that kind of created not only a better working environment for them, but it just all of a sudden it, it, it created the honey that they needed to attract the bees to come to them. So guys, I don't want to keep going on because you got to learn it straight from them. I want you to jump into that show. This is Danielle Chason, I want you to enjoy the Let's Get Real Estate podcast right now. Hello everybody, this is Danielle Chason, your host for the Let's Get Real Estate podcast show and this is where we keep everything about real estate real and raw. This is where real people are doing real estate and today we've got Mandy and Jeff on the call. I Absolutely love this couple. They are a power couple. Absolutely love you guys. Thank you so much for coming down on the show today. Woo, woo. Hey.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks very much, Danielle. We're super happy to be here. Thank you for having us, yeah. Danielle.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys today because uh, you guys bring to the table something that's a little bit unique uh, because you guys do real estate in a micro market. And, I, well, micro market, I don't even know. When we say micro market, I think it's a... Um, you know how they have tiny homes? Well, we could call this a tiny market, maybe. I, is it even considered a yes. town or is it a hamlet? <laughs> like,
0: oh, honestly, yes. it's, it's really a, tiny, right? It's a, yeah. it's a tiny market uh, in a pocket, I would say, I would call it a sub market of a small market. So we have a micro market within a small market, um, but we are focusing on, the, on that market as a whole there's small towns within it um, that comprise the whole market. So uh, many small towns within one.
1: Yeah, and yeah, each so one I'm of in, these... I'm in Oh, sorry, Danielle, I was just going to say in each one of these, uh, these micro markets are anywhere from, as far as population goes, anywhere from about uh, 2,000 to 5,000 people in each of these small towns. The overall market is somewhere around two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand people in the overall region. so it is it is a, a substantial market, but dotted with all these micro markets that are that are fantastic
0: yeah
2: well, and they come with I mean investing in smaller areas like that um, they do come with they do come with their challenges. and so um, you did share with me Mandy okay. that you know so <clears throat> just a little bit of background actually before we kind of go into uh, dive in deeper, uh, just so that the audience and the listeners can get an idea of who you guys are. Um, you guys used to work well, Mandy. You were on Scott McGilvery's team for a Keyspire, his vent team. Is that right?
0: That's right. Yeah, I worked um, on that team for eight years. Uh, initially, it was quite casual. Um, I kind of fell into the role as a side, a side hustle. Uh, because I have a background in sales and event management. Um, And it gradually snowballed into a a full-blown job. I left everything else by the wayside and focused on uh, managing that team for another six years. Um, It was fantastic, uh, but also limiting in some ways. Uh, From my personal mindset, I was so focused on the job. Um, So yes, I worked under Scott McGillivray, but fell into uh, the whole real estate game quite accidentally. I didn't go into it wanting to necessarily do that or invest in that. I was, you know, I knew I was a great salesperson and event person and focused on the job. Um, It took a while, but I eventually got there and believed that I could uh, do it myself. And uh, which brings us to where we are today.
2: And if you want to share a little bit about yourself, Jeff, just so that the audience can, I know Jeff, (laughs) just like the, you know, the guy, the quiet one, right? But we want to know who you are too, Jeff.
1: Yeah, no. So, um, I basically fell into this whole thing. So I I, um, went through a divorce about uh, 15 years ago, and that was obviously before Mandy and I got together. And then uh, once Mandy and I got together, I'd been working in the security industry uh, for roughly the last 30 years. Uh, So I was selling access control and CCTV equipment to uh, high-end clients downtown, like most of the, uh, the towers downtown Toronto, a lot of the malls. Um, and so I had that background in sales and construction, obviously in those big projects, it's a lot of construction management and project management, all that sort of stuff. So I was always sort of on the fringe of construction, but never really in it. Um, and then, uh, like I said, so Manny and I got together and I was still working in that industry and then through all COVID and a bunch of other changes, I ended up, um, leaving the security industry and actually joining Keyspire as well. Um.
0: I roped him in. I brought him (laughs) into the fold of of Keyspire and once he was there really uh, it it helped both our mindsets really because I knew I wanted to take the next step and invest myself. Um, I had my team around me who were all moving and shaking doing amazing things in real estate but I still had this limiting mindset that somehow it wasn't for me and that I couldn't do it. So when we, we both uh, were involved and both active in, in that uh, space in terms of sales and being around, being surrounded by it, um, it it gave us the kick we needed and the uh, confidence, I think, together to move forward along with COVID, which gave us a big fat kick in the butt to, uh, to uh, get started because um, we lost our jobs. So um, we... Had started thinking about getting in the game. We went to uh, what Keith holds is a Keith uh, a summit, an investor summit, in January 2020, and uh, three within a week we locked down two properties. But um, three weeks later we lost our jobs. So it was a bit of a it was like a celebration, but a bit of a shake and uh, quite scary. Not you know having that safety net, but um, we just looked each other in the eyes and said we're going to do this, and we we went for it. So we're now doing this full time.
2: Yeah, that's just crazy to me. So what I'm hearing you say, like, when you mentioned limiting beliefs, I think there's a lot of people that have these limiting beliefs. And until you're able to identify them, you're not able to really crush them, right? And so what I'm hearing from you guys, there's a limiting belief that, well, I can't invest in real estate in a small or a tiny market. And I mean, that's a big one. Um, And then, of course, there's the mindset shift from being an employee and shifting your mindset to, um, you know, being self-employed and being an investor, being a real estate investor and shifting that. I think that's a huge step, especially... For people who've been an employee for a long time you know that they're like this is what i do this is what i'm good at and this is yeah. where i'm going to focus you know being a business owner being an entrepreneur it's not for me i'm not built for that um and and i think it's good for our audience to really challenge that so um yeah so uh, you know kudos to you guys for yeah. stepping
0: 100
2: go ahead mandy
1: it was a it was a fun ride i mean like stepping into this was scary at the beginning uh, but we we really learned early on that it, it, the markets are really, it, it really doesn't matter what market you're in, as long as your numbers work. Uh, and that was something that, that Keyspire always preached, that it's the numbers, it's the numbers, invest where the returns are best, all these catchphrases. Um, so it was, I mean, we had that background to to try and knock down those limiting beliefs about what all the markets are, are uh, what markets are available and how you can get into them. And so, really, once we started, it was a matter of really looking at the numbers through and through, and just really being sort of live by the numbers, die by the numbers, sort of thing. And, and once we had the the, the couple of properties locked down that met the criteria that we'd been taught so well by Keyspire, it was really—I mean—that was the start and then after that things really get easier
0: yeah we realized it was it was really apples to apples yes a a bigger market you're looking at bigger numbers uh, you know the the take home looks attractive because it's it's an inflated number um but the actual percentages your returns are actually quite similar you're just doing them in you know perhaps a smaller bite-sized chunk The other advantage of the small market is there's less red tape too, right? like a larger market takes a long time for all those processes for your permitting for your zoning. Um, It can take long in a small market because there's less people at the office. (laughs) But um, but there are a lot of advantages and and we naturally looked around where we lived first within, you know, an hour to two hours, which were all small markets. We live in the country. Um, But once we ran those numbers we came to realize they made sense. So we went with it and we feel comfortable here. We we like to invest in um, smaller towns that are growing. There's less competition. Um, so there, there are quite a lot of advantages. Um, but back to the limiting mindset, you're absolutely right. People get into these jobs, you get complacent, you get comfortable. Um, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset, but when you're working under Scott McGillivray, it's hard to say no, it's hard to walk away from that. You know? Um, so, um, and then there were financial situations, the divorce. And, you know, I had had some businesses of my own prior to uh, my life at Keyspire uh, that, you know, didn't work out as planned and left me in a financial bind as well. And so that was part of the limiting mindset as well. There were a few things that kind of kept us kept us back but once we got over those humps um, it's full steam ahead so
2: I love how you highlight that too because not having you know $100,000 or $200,000 to invest is also a limiting mindset and there are creative strategies out there that maybe we'll keep for another day but there are strategies out there um, that you don't need to have that cash in order to start investing in real estate so yeah, so that's three That's three really big uh, limiting beliefs that was holding you guys back. Yeah. And you guys crushed them, so I love that. I love that. Um, but here's the
0: thing. Yeah, once we wrapped our minds...
2: It's okay, go ahead, hun.
0: Oh, once we wrapped our heads around the, using other people's money and that there were strategies beyond using our own money, that's really what this, the clincher was. And so once we got confident with that... Um, there really wasn't anything that was going to stop us so
2: yeah and look at you guys go i mean you guys That's you guys it. got what is it an 8 building under contract right now or that you're you're not under contract excuse me that you're actually flipping right now it's 8 unit building
1: yeah yeah so it's it's actually it we bought it as a uh, four unit residential plus one commercial and we're converting it into eight units residential all all on the same footprint so this building had a lot of uh, not wasted space, but un- underutilized space within the building, yep. and some units that were way oversized for the for what they were. Um, so we're basically cutting the mark, cutting the building down into smaller pieces, and uh, ending up with eight units when we're finished. Yeah. So
0: from from five to eight is what we're doing.
2: Yeah, and that's you know highest some best use of any property, right? I mean, through time, you know, when it was built, that might have made awesome. sense, but now maybe it doesn't make sense. So um, that's one of the things as real estate investors, we look at properties and try to identify the highest and best use of that property and kind of think outside of the box and not just see what is you know in front of us, right? So, but you yep. guys zero to 60, you went from like nothing, you did a flip and that now, you know, uh, four plus one into an eight, you know, wow. I mean, that's just an incredible success story right there. And all of that in about 18 months. And you know that's just mind blowing, really. And validation to the listeners out there to say, "Hey, look, it is possible. You just got to pull the trigger and do it. Get the education, get the knowledge, and then start implementing." Um, scary though, very scary, but you you got to pull the
1: trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And and surround yourself and surround yourself with the best people as well. Um, we've been very fortunate coming out of the Keyspire network that we had that network to, to, to rely on. Uh, we're members of Masterminds. Uh, we, we attend other meetups and uh, different groups to, to try and improve and, 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 and get more education all the time. And you just yeah. can't you can't just get it at the beginning and then forget about it. This is an ongoing thing. Uh, there's always new developments, new changes, new things happening in the uh, in the industry. So it's it, it really is important to stay connected to all these different networks and 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 make sure you're not just doing this by yourself
0: yeah support is crucial and we're lucky to have it
2: yeah, and I can attest to that because even though, you know, I've been doing this for a while and I've, you know, got a few under my belt and all of that, I'm still, and even though I'm, I'm actually coaching consulting too, I'm still on the learning side of things and I always will be uh, because real estate really is a monster yeah. and there's there's exactly. just so much to learn. So, but I want to talk about the challenges going there. into a mar- micro market, like what, yeah. you know, when you're going, you talked about some advantages, there's less competition, uh, you know, there's, there's less red tape, perhaps, um, you can push things through, but there are some challenges to going into a micro market as well. So I I'd like to hear about, you know, a few challenges maybe that you've, you know, encountered along the way and how you overcame those challenges.
0: Yep. I would say for the first one would be you're not from there. So even though we we do we do live a rural lifestyle, we do live in the country. We're not we don't live in that town. These towns are so small; they know everybody. Everybody knows everybody. So when there's a you know uh, some some new people in town, um, there there can be a little bit of resistance. There's a lack of trust a little bit. You know they they see it as you know people from down in the city uh, coming coming to their their small um, environment. So. Um, that can be a challenge, there's assumptions, there's a mindset that, you know, we're, we're taking something that they have, right, um, so the first challenge is getting around that, and um, we we just be real, we just be ourselves, we talk to them on their level, we're, you know, we take a human approach to every conversation, um, and try not to be the, you know, the big City investor rolling in when your suit and your tie and you know they they do appreciate a more um, grounded approach. So that would be
1: one. Uh, I would say. I mean, one of the big challenges we had at the beginning was try- trying to navigate the small town. Like we talked about, not as much red tape, but there is still bureaucracy in these small towns, especially in the in the the, uh, the planning departments and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it's usually because of the fact that these people have been in that same position for their entire life. They've been working as the uh, head of roads, let's for example, for 35 years, and they have a mindset that may be 35 years old. Um, so dealing with those people and just trying to, to, to get them to where we are today, we were very fortunate in, in the markets or in the, the, the towns we were in, that we had some progressive people working there as well that we were able to sort of... Uh, not latch onto, but really get a good relationship with, yeah. and those people really helped us navigate through the the small town bureaucracy and and let us know, okay, well for this you should be talking to this person. Don't talk to that person because they may they may not like what you're going to do with this building. But talk to this person first, yeah. and then that will we'll bring everyone around. And then when we get on these planning calls or we get on the zoning committee meetings, whatever it is, your champion that's there with you really pulls it through the system and pulls it through that bureaucracy without us having to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah.
0: Um
1: and so really relying on the local people that you can build those relationships with to really help guide you through their local bureaucracy. Because yeah. every town's different. There's always gonna be one stick in the mud that he doesn't want change. And using the local people to get you through that is it's been really a really good success for us.
0: Yeah. It goes a long way. The first step, our first step was approaching the city and asking them what they wanted. So putting it in their court, um, asking them what they'd like to see and moving ahead and implementing some of those things in the in the process and the manner that they want. So, you know, show them that you're willing to cooperate in the beginning and do it their way in the beginning. So uh, it brings the guards down a little bit and, you know, low key approaches, inviting like small town, the city the hall, you know, the, the offices are just down the street. So, you know, we invited them, hey, we're here. If you see our red truck in the parking lot, come and visit us. Just stop in. We're we're not hiding anything from you. We're not trying to, you know, do something under, um, you know, keeping everything above board. And uh, they appreciate that. So we, ha- we did have a few of them stop by and it builds relationships that now uh, work in our favor.
2: And those relationships are key. Like, you mentioned building trust and and really I think part of going into a smaller market and coming you know showing up as a real estate investor you're kind of like the big bad wolf and if you can show them that you're not coming in yeah. to impose your way and you're willing to work with them and and maintain the integrity of that town the integrity of the the, the buildings and the history yeah. of the, the you know the, the town or the hamlet whatever it is um i think is key and by inviting them in i think that's brilliant uh, because that builds that trust it's like hey we're not here just to try to do what we want and not listen to you it builds trust saying hey when i asked you what you want and what you would like us to do for your town we're actually listening and implementing that so i think that's really really important um the other thing is i think it'd be really tough to find Like, I don't know, with 2,000 to 5,000 people, there's not a whole lot of pickings for trades. And so, you know, when you're doing these major rehabs, you're going from a five, you know, four residential, one commercial unit building to eight units and converting that. Like, where do you where do you pull your trades from?
0: Yep, was definitely hit it on the head there. We were about to roll into <laughs> listing that one. Um, it's definitely been a challenge. They're there because it, it is a small town and it, it's blue collar. There are a lot of trades around. But they're also very busy. Like it, it, it is a busy, busy market right now. Uh, this whole year, the year that we decided to dive in has been tricky uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, what we've done though is Keeping it again, keeping it local. So going to the local hardware store, talking to, you know, the people that are working there. Do you know someone who does this? Do you know another trade that does that? Um, I've also am very active on the uh, all the community boards. So any social media platform that 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 the communities we invest in have um, groups on I join them just so I can get, you know, a, a temperature of, you know, what's going on in this town, what are people concerned about, what are they asking about, there's some that are focused specifically for rentals to help landlords find renters and renters find landlords by joining those as well, um, and recognize there's a huge um, crisis. So, Uh, housing crisis there. So what I do is I just post an ask on those community groups and I get, I get responses for local trades and um, that's helped.
1: Yeah. And also (laughs) also being, being that we are investors and we're always looking for new properties, um, we'll find, let's say for example, a a building in a market that we haven't or a town that we haven't done any work in. And when we go through our due diligence on that building, deciding if we're going to bring it into our portfolio or not, we try and bring in local trades from that area to to help with that due diligence. So if it needs a new roof, so we'll bring in a local roofing company from there to give us a quote during our due diligence phase. And we found some, some incredible trades that way from other sites. We walked through and the contractor from around the corner came to look at the building. He knows the building. He knows the town. Oh, fantastic. Do you do any work in this other town? Yeah. Oh, I do? Okay. Well, then maybe you can come do some work on that building. And it just sort of builds that relationship and spreads it out through that, through those pockets in the micro market. So you're really finding great, maybe a great trade on one side of your market that can work on the other and, and so on and so forth. And then it's a lot of individual trades. So there's not, um, it's not like we're going to go find one GC who's going to do the entire job for us. I'm basically having to deal with a lot of the GC stuff where I'm dealing directly with the trade. So I'll have a plumbing contractor, uh, the HVAC contract, everything coming to me as opposed to a GC, um, it makes it a little more challenging. But we have those trades, and if, if you're willing to do that management and can do that management, it's it's really it it makes it really easy.
0: Yeah. So again, it's it to to sum that up, it's a local approach. So we're we're just putting it out there. We're putting um, asks out to local trades, local salespeople in the the hardware stores, community groups. Um, and getting referrals that way so you know we're very visible and we're very approachable and uh, purposefully and and they they respond to that so that's been our solution so far
2: that's amazing um, and, and I think Jeff it's really important to also GC if you've never you know done any construction GC'ing all the trades is really gonna give you a strong um, going to give you a strong um lesson and education in learning all of the different things that needs to be done during a project and so you know when i started doing my flips i gc'd everything and that's where i got my on-site training essentially um and i have a rule of three like get a minimum of three quotes. one to make sure you're not getting price gouged and two because every contractor that comes in has a different way of doing things Mm -hmm. and so if you you know close your mouth and open your ears and just ask a couple of questions like what are the options and how would you you know what do you suggest we do and what other way could we deal with this then all of a sudden you're gonna get some free education essentially and you'll be able to then make a good decision on how you want to move forward Um, and i just think it's brilliant so kudos to you for doing that it is tough though if uh, somebody wants to flip a house and they have a full-time job, it's not something I suggest doing. Is she seeing when you're working full-time? But, yeah, hundred percent. But it's a great way to learn. It's a great way to learn, like the construction yeah. side.
0: and we are, we are, yeah, and we are so so grateful. Um, I mean, I know that COVID has been a global, you know, nightmare for all of us and a lot of people. But at the same time, on the other end of it. It it really was a blessing for us in terms of um, forcing us to focus on this and it gave us the freedom and the time time to get into it to focus on it and to learn and I want to go back to your point about how you know you learned you on your first flip you were learning through through the trades that's exactly what we did we so you know, we talked about our multi-tenant, tenant, but the project before that was a farmhouse flip. Um, It was completely deteriorated, kind of a hoarder situation house. And we did 95% of the work on that was just Jeff and I. So, and we did that purposefully to, for that exact reason, to learn the process from beginning to end and knowing every... Piece that goes into that puzzle of making this project bringing the project to completion um, it took us eight months but it was uh it was a fantastic fantastic project
1: yeah and, and it was done very purposefully that way so that we would get that education from that construction phase before we got into the larger multi-tenants we always had the vision that we would be going to multi-tenant and going to larger buildings but the flip was like Mandy said was all education was was Let's get in there. Let's learn the processes. Let's learn what it takes to do this. Let's figure out that the last 10 minutes of doing a job takes like three years. All the finishes. So just, just getting to that point. And, yeah. and you build a lot of confidence coming out of that too, especially once you can look back and say, oh, we did that. We did it start to finish. We did a full interior, exterior gut of this house. It looked fantastic. It, it made made us some money on the market. And now we can move on to these larger multi-tenants and having that knowledge of the yeah. process and what it takes to get this done. And like Mandy said, just the, the the blessing of actually having the time and the fact that we are doing this full-time definitely makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah, that flip 100, no 1000% 1, solidified that we want to do this and that we can do this and gave us the confidence that we we were good at it (laughs) and can do it from from beginning to end so um which is gold like we there's there's really nothing that we look at now that is completely overwhelming um you know a year ago we would not have thought about a hundred unit purpose build, and now that's kind of the next project that we're looking at so we're we're completely different people than we were last year wow from this journey going
2: from zero to 60 yes. and then 60 to 240 on a hundred <laughs> flip a hundred units that's crazy uh well a couple of gold nuggets we'll see. yeah well it'll happen it's definitely gonna happen you know what if you believe it and if you manifest it, it it will happen so put that out to the universe and uh, maybe one of our listeners is listening and saying hey i need a working partner i've got capital to put into a big big maybe. unit and it could be you <laughs> Okay, so, uh, but wow, like you unpacked a lot there. Uh, I just want to take a quick minute and talk about your first flip. Okay, so yes, you know, doing that front, by the way, again, going into micro markets, uh, Mandy and Jeff crushed it yeah. on this first flip. Um, sweat equity is not only do you get a lot of knowledge by implementing and doing the work yourself. The other benefit to doing that is you can increase your capital. And so that way you can, if you need to maybe um, retire from your job or take a leave from your current job, it'll give you some capital to invest into another project, into your next project, or give you some capital to maybe, you know, take six months to really think about it. And I love how you also said, excuse me, I love how you also said that You know this really solidified for us that this is what we want to do and for some people it's going to solidify for them that this is what i don't want to do so i just want to put that out there (laughs) uh, because it's not for the weak um hearted and it is really tough and a lot of work and if that happens to be you If you're out there listening and you've done a flip and you hated it and it really wasn't your thing, that's okay. Real estate is a massive universe. And so there's all kinds of different things you can do within real estate. Flipping is not the only strategy. So don't get discouraged. Just keep, um, you know, venturing through that real estate universe and find the strategy that's right for you. But it's not for everybody. Flipping is not for everybody. So I love that you guys are in it. You're embracing it. It's working for you guys. Your um, new career change is working out. I do want to ask you this, if the listeners wanted to reach out to you, because you guys are real people doing real estate, um, you're 18 months in as of the time of this recording and you're really crushing it, um... You know, and, and maybe there's other listeners out there who maybe want to partner with you, or maybe they're in micro markets and they just kind of want to brainstorm with you a little bit. How would they reach out to you?
0: Uh, they can find me on uh, Instagram, Twisted Cedar Mandy is uh, my handle there. And uh, they can email us at TwistedCedarGroup at gmail.com.
2: Awesome. Okay, guys, so that is going to be in the podcast notes. It's going to be in the YouTube notes. It's going to be on Mandy and Jeff's about Mandy and Jeff's page on our podcast website, uh, where you'll get all the contact information for them a little bit of a bio some history and what they're doing. And um, yeah, I think I think does that cover everything? Yeah. Uh, reach out to Mandy and Jeff. They really are crushing it. They've got a ton of knowledge having worked on the inside of the Spire community. Uh, they're just so loaded with knowledge. I'm so happy that you guys are now implementing everything and uh, and just crushing it out there. It's just incredible to have a front row seat to watch you guys um, and just blossom and grow in this industry. Um, now, there's one thing that I want to say as a ninja tip and a takeaway for everybody, and I just want to revisit what Jeff, what Jeff said about, um, you know, the last 10 minutes takes about three years <laughs> to finish on a flip. And so this is why it is so important because the last 10% of the work really takes, like it's really grinding, right? You're just so close to done. And it's easy to put up kitchen cabinets, but then you get all the little like tweaks and everything else that you need to do. So I just want to say, this is why investors, we do hold backs. So once the work is all done, I typically have a 20% hold back on my contractors, and then we have what's called a punch list. You walk through the house, you find all the little deficiencies, give the contractors you know, a couple of days to get it done, and then that's when you exchange the final pay. So do not exchange the final check until you've done that punch list, because otherwise you're gonna be on your knees doing some caulking, and you're gonna be climbing ladders, putting in light bulbs, and you know, so just remember that guys, a little ninja tip for today. Um, Yeah, guys, thank you so much for coming to the audience. If you're listening... You got to hit the smash, the like button and hit subscribe and the little bell and all the other stuff that I'm supposed to say. I hope I covered it all. Um, Mandy and Jeff, I really need to have you guys back because we talked about human relationships and I would love, love, love to hear more about how you create those human relationships. And I don't think that it's limited to those micro markets. I think everybody could benefit from that. So I am definitely going to have you guys back. Thank you so much for coming. Any final words before we go?
0: Not at all. We appreciate you having us on. This has been a a pleasure, and uh, we look forward to coming back.
1: And we look forward to watching all your other podcasts. Thank you very much.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you for your support. You know what? Thank you for actually opening the door there. I just want to thank all my listeners as well for the support and for coming on and trusting me and my team and all of my guests in order to provide some value um because i know time is so limited for everybody and you know just being able to share that time with me is really an honor so thank you to you guys and thank you to the listeners until next time this is danielle chase on for the let's get real estate podcast where real people are doing real estate thanks again
0: everybody